Are you looking for a better way to create your dream life? How to create wealth so you can enjoy your hobbies, friends, and family even more? Then this podcast is for you. We're Chris and Paul, and we're on a mission to help regular women and men gain access to passive income opportunities. Income opportunities that most people never even hear of. So let's start the show and create your fortune in wealth, health, and life, one step at a time. Hey everyone, today we're going to talk about recessions and high interest rates and how you're completely freaked out about investing in real estate or the stock market or anything else because you have no idea what's happening. Well, other than what you're seeing on the news, which is completely wrong. So let's talk about that a bit. Today's episode, we're going to focus on inflation, rising interest rates, how it doesn't really affect real estate as much as you might think. And actually, in some cases, it can be better. Uh, we're going to give you some quotes from um, articles and some statistics from historical averages, things that you can kind of count on. And then um, I'll touch a little bit on uh, on an event that I attended recently where some uh, investors and real estate experts were speaking, and they were talking a little bit about um, just what to what to forecast for the future in real estate. So here we go. Let's let's get into it. Well, the first thing I, I want you to think about is. Um, if if you are not taking the time to really truly understand the long-term averages, um, you're not really doing yourself justice. In other words, you're not going to want to invest in anything if you don't put a little bit of time into understanding it. If you just look at the news, obviously the news is out there to drive eyeballs, right? It's out there to drive um, people and viewership and 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 to get people to talk, right? It's not really geared towards actually educating you because if it was, then they would be spending a significant amount of time really trying to understand the historical trends, um, future projections, and uh, the real estate space in general. And if if your own financial advisor and or bookkeeper or people in your immediate circle of influence, friends, family, don't know the ins and outs of real estate, then how could the media possibly know? And I have found in at least my experience that there are many CPAs, bookkeepers, financial advisors that that don't even know that you can convert an IRA into um, a fund that you can invest in real estate. Um, they think that uh, in inflation in some cases or high interest rates is a bad thing for the real estate industry. And it's just because they're not in the know. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about the economy and kind of what's coming. So Robert Helms is an expert in the real estate business. Great guy, um, uh, speaks at events and whatnot, and has uh, probably at least a thousand apartments himself. And uh, some of the things he talks about is, is literally how the press really doesn't know much about real estate. So if you're listening to that, or you're just you know listening to some quick information you heard online from people that are actually not real estate experts, you're going to want to deep dive a little bit, or at least get more information than that. Um, you know, there's, there's, there are more people today than ever before that can't afford to own a home based on uh, the price increases, right? Interest rates going up and things like that. So what does that do to the rental market, multifamily real estate particularly? It increases demand for that. And there's already massive demand for multifamily real estate, right? Um, the prices are kind of pushing out buyers, which is actually a really good thing for real estate investors. And if interest rates stay high for a couple of years, uh, that's going to bode well for real estate investors. But regardless of if interest rates are high or low, historically, uh, rents continue to trend up. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, if interest rates are in single digits, he actually talked about how that's a good thing. He actually talked about how his parents 
said that was a good thing because they lived through like five recessions, right? And so if interest rates are in single digits, think about that under 10%, you're actually not in that bad of shape. And we're used to that. Um, it's just lately interest rates have been so low that we're freaking out a little bit um, because now they're at five and a half percent or so at the time of this recording. So don't don't worry about that. You're going to be just fine, uh, whether you're a single family buyer or investing in, in multifamily real estate. And so talk about the opportunities in investing in real estate today. And some of those opportunities are uh, rent increases. They're continuing to increase. There's a shortage of inventory. Um, rates are actually historically pretty low. Um, you know, most investors don't trust Wall Street, right? So that bodes well for real estate. And real estate is a proven investment vehicle over, if you just take like, say, the last 30-year averages. Um, but even before that, it's it's consistently gone up in value. Now, single-family homes versus multifamily commercial real estate, the values assess slightly different. Um, and so that's what kind of freaks people out too, is they, they think about the 2008 crash and they say, man, my home values dropped significantly and it took so long to get back. And, you know, that's going to happen again. And what you have to understand is that what drove that um, economic downturn really had nothing to do with commercial real estate. It had to do with poor lending standards and a lot of people buying houses on interest only loans that they couldn't afford. And when those interest rates rose, they had to foreclose or give up their homes. And they all turned into renters for the most part. Um, but that's mainly why. And then there was a lot of homes on the market. Um, and then the Fed had to lower the interest rates to stimulate the economy back, uh, which is which is was not a bad thing because some people got to take advantage of really low interest rates. And it continued for quite some time. As a matter of fact, you're seeing the first time it's actually bouncing back up quite significantly, um, but but it'll stabilize. So totally different economy back then um, that really will not affect specifically commercial real estate as much as it did single family back in 2008. But that's, that's a whole nother story. So um, mostly if you, if you think about the threats, let's say, let's say if you're focused on the negatives, the threats, inflation, um, wages of your tenants, right? Not keeping up with inflation. You think about higher interest rates and tax increases and things like that. It'll freak you out. I mean, if you just think about those things, there are so many other things that outweigh those negatives, right? And we just reviewed a few of those things. So there's pros and cons, um, but it's all relative. Um, what it boils down to is when you invest in real estate, it's a real asset. It's real value. It's not paper. It's not a stock market that's going to uh, go up uh, and then significantly down for three to five years. And if you're trying to retire at that time, you've literally lost the value of that. So if it was a million dollars and it drops down to 700 and you try to retire, it has lost 30% of its value, right? Whereas with real estate, generally, when you invest passively, regardless of what the economy is doing, your cash flow pretty much stays the same, right? It's consistent. And the value of the asset, historically anyways, compared to all the other recessions you've seen and the stock market going up and down, has actually consistently gone up. I think there was a very short blip on the radar between 2010 and 2012 ish, uh, but then it came right back up and it was a blip on the radar. I mean, it wasn't significant. Definitely not significant enough to affect cash flow if you were a passive investor during that time. And I've actually spoken with many people that owned a lot of commercial real estate at that time. And if they were in multifamily, it didn't really affect them much at all, if any. Um, now, some of the retail got hit, right? jobs, high interest rates, um, shuttered doors, things of that sort. But that's not that's not uh, apartments that people need to live in. Those are brick and mortar stores that are um, subject to economic 
uh, factors like interest rates going up and down, businesses retracting a little bit because they hired too many people, or like COVID, for example, shuttered a lot of retailers just because they were dependent on those customers coming in, but those people needed a place to live. And what's crazy about that even is during COVID, all those people that needed a place to live, even when they didn't have to pay rent per the government, most of them actually paid. Why? Because food and shelter are priorities for people and they don't want to lose their places to live. So even in a time where you literally didn't have to pay rent and couldn't be evicted, the majority, the vast majority paid. Matter of fact, it was around 90% or higher of all tenants that actually paid. Now, they may have been a little slow, but they paid and didn't get evicted. It's pretty amazing when you think about that. That means there are a lot of really good people that tried really hard and a lot of good landlords that worked with them. So no need to be freaked out, right? You just got to be in the know. Um, we happen to own a lot of multifamily uh, units during that time. And we can tell you firsthand that that didn't really affect things that much. Um, definitely not as much as you heard on the news. I mean, if you're just listening to the news or getting on the internet, you would think that there was just a mass exodus and that buildings were 50% empty and that they were they were just falling apart and it was just chaos. And it actually wasn't chaos. I mean, it was really not that big a deal. So let's talk a little bit about the Fed and interest rates, right? That's a big one. People freak out about that. Interest rates, they're climbing uh, you notice single family sales have just completely stagnated. They're not selling right now. It's because everyone's retracting and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to wait until values of houses completely drop. That's a huge mistake because the same factors that happened in 2008 are not in play today. So if you wait too long, you're going to miss out. Um, we are we are still way behind on inventory, which means people that were selling are probably just going to pull back. Now you might get some discounts, but it's not going to be a fire sale. You're not going to be getting 50% off houses. And if you wait too long as interest, rate, interest rates climb, you're going to probably be paying a point or two more interest at least in the next couple of years until it stabilizes and maybe comes back down. Um, but the value of those homes could stay the same or go back up a little bit. I doubt they're going to retract much more than maybe 10, 15%, uh, depending on the, the situation with the seller. I mean, obviously, if somebody really, really wants to sell and they're moving or something, or they have a job that's going to a different state, perhaps you'll get a really good deal. But it, um, it's not as likely. You're not going to see it a ton because we still have a shortage of inventory. And most people will just wait this little recession out because it's not, it's not a recession that is driven by um, the situation in our economy. It was driven really by COVID and the government trying to slow down this crazy inflation, right? So crazy inflation is actually a good thing because that means everybody's buying. We have very low unemployment. Everything is pretty good, but it got a little out of control. And since wages can't keep up with inflation, they have to slow it down um, because you'll get a lot of people that just can't afford to buy things and live. So they'll slow it down a little bit. They'll raise these rates for a few years. They'll bring them back down or they'll slow down once they hit a certain interest rate. But we're not talking like 12, 14% interest rates. We're talking maybe like six, seven, eight percent, and then it comes maybe back down to a five, six percent. Uh, we'll go over that in just a second. And uh, and that'll be good for everybody, actually. It's not that big a deal. Um, that's those are actually really, really good interest rates. So let's talk a little bit about that. Where where is the rate going? Like today, if you take the Fed rate and then you take your prime rate, you know, basically what what banks charge in the Fed, and you kind of combine them, you end up at like a five and a half percent interest rate today, right? Kind of alarming when it was two and a half percent just a year ago or whatever. That's double. But again, remember historically low averages. Um, but but actually, if you look at the averages over the last thirty years, the interest rate was seven point seven percent. So over the last thirty years. If you look back and you look at the performance of multifamily investing as a passive investor or anything for that matter, even the stock market, the stock market performed probably a little bit less than that. But I'm talking 30-year averages um, at 7.7% um, 
in interest, right? We're not talking about performance or profit. That's that's pretty high, 7.7 compared to what we're used to, but not much higher than we are today. And that's the 30-year average through multiple recessions, including the 80s, where interest rates went all the way up to like 18%, right? So they don't stay up that long. It's really just a lever that the government pulls to try to keep things in check, right? So think marathon, not sprint, right? Freaking out about interest rates and inflation right now would be kind of like freaking out um, as though you were a person who was who was originally used to not having communication. You had to yell, okay? No cell phones. You had to yell to communicate with somebody or actually walk a mile to get to them, right? Then all of a sudden you went to cell phones. Holy moly, you have a cell phone now. It's revolutionized the world. And you had to take a step back shortly to go back to like pay phones where you had a, wa- a cord in the wall or a pay phone you had to walk up to at a market in order to call somebody. But then shortly thereafter, it comes back beyond even cell phones, okay? We're not talking about going from cell phones all the way back to where you're literally yelling to communicate with people. Uh, We're talking about stepping back a little bit to a phone in the wall, right? For some of you youngsters, you probably don't even know what that is, but that wasn't that far back. That was like 90s, maybe late 90s. Uh, So keep that in mind, right? We We are not retracting. It's not the sky's falling. It's we're simply stepping back a little. We're putting some control mechanisms in. And what happens after, say, a six to 24 month recession, which is kind of the averages, the economy comes roaring back. And actually this recession that we're somewhat getting into right now is going to be caused by the government. And it's deliberate because we have to stabilize things. Guys, it's it's not a bad thing. It's going to be fine, right? Especially if you're investing now, three to five years from now, it's going to be fire. I mean, those investments are going to be worth a ton, right? So, So just hang in there and be patient. Now, your interest rates are about five to, let's say, five and a half percent right now or so. Um, Where are they going to go? Well, in the next few years, they could go up to, well, let's say next year. It could go to, you know, six and a half percent, and then they could go up to, say, eight percent by 2024. Um, But that may not ever happen. The government may not have to do that. And they're very likely to stabilize back down uh, to something more reasonable, say five to six percent at the most. And that's really not that high when you think about it. And of course, the value of single family residents will slow down a little bit as inventory catches up. So it's all relative to work out. And you're seeing wages go up. They've just been a little slower than everything else. And they're not keeping up with inflation. But they will. They'll they'll catch up and it'll it'll be just fine. Uh, So. What about 30-year rent increases on average? So get this, the average rents over a 30-year period increased 8.86%. That's higher than the 30-year average of interest rates, right? Far higher, consistently outperforming inflation, right? I didn't pull up the stats on inflation, but inflation, you know, generally, let's say you're two and a half to four percent as it fluctuates back and forth, right? Government doesn't like it to be obviously higher than let's say 3%, but still pretty low. So you figure if you were a passive investor in the last 30 years, just the rental increases alone on your investment and the cash flow you generated far exceeded inflation and exceeded the stock market. So you made money, but that's only part of the story. Your investments also grow by the way of equity and the tax advantages you get. So far outperforming all these statistics, all this craziness that you hear in the market, right? So let's talk about the last couple of years and the average rents across the country. You won't even believe this. The average medium rent is over $2,000 across the country, right? Now that's happened by and large the last five to seven years because the economy has been roaring. But just think about that. The average rents are actually pretty high. 78.1% of renters pay on time. You end up with about a $2,000 a month rent, 
in current times. And then about 78.1% of those tenants that are paying that rent on average nationwide, because there's highs and lows, obviously, they're paying on time. Now, that means that 20% didn't pay on the 5th, but that doesn't mean that they just didn't pay. That just means a percentage of them were slow paying. And if you think about it, we're still coming out of the COVID era and we're coming out of folks, you know, having a little leeway because of the unemployment and the, and the COVID, you know, virus we had and, and obviously renter assistance and all that stuff. So statistically, it's actually higher than that. It's just, we're talking the last couple of years, right? Um, but most people pay, not a big deal. Uh, and in Colorado, just as an example, the average rent on a two bedroom is $1,400, right? Um, Arizona was around $1,100 and that's not necessarily like in Denver or Phoenix, but that's just the entire state. So, um, current average rents are 13% lower than the average mortgage. Think about that. Renting is 13% lower than the average mortgage and interest rates are going up, which means it's going to be a higher percentage. It means that it could be 25%, which encourages people to rent. So this is a good time to actually get into passive investing because that rental income is going to go up and you're going to have more renters. 35% of the population rents, right? So a lot of people rent. There is a huge market for renters. And ipropertymanagement.com posted a bunch of really cool stuff. I'm going to give you some of the stats they, they put out. And this is based on historical data. Some of these companies are property management companies that actually have properties they manage so they can pull the data from their assets that they manage. This isn't just made up. This isn't media. These are actually facts, right? So from 2006 to 2016, the renter base increased by 23 million people. Think about that, 23 million new renters on the market for, let's say, multifamily or even single family included. Homeownership, though, increased only by 700,000. So 23 million new renters compared to 700,000 homeowners. That's a staggering number. Those are facts, right? Out of 10 of the top metro areas, the rental average was $2,825 a month. So if you were to take places like New York, uh, let's say Atlanta, um, places like that, like really key MSAs, um, LA maybe, um, Seattle, the average rents were $2,825. You remember earlier I said the average rents nationwide were around $2,000. Well, this is like 40 some odd percent higher than the average renter. These are in those major metropo major metropolitan areas, right? Um, some of the places that we happen to be building in are Denver and Phoenix. So Denver, Colorado, and Phoenix, Arizona, those are top MSA markets, higher rents, right? Earlier, I gave you Colorado's number, which was about 1,400, but, but Denver is higher than that because it's a key MSA, higher average household income. Um, remember the, the year 2000 and how we all thought the sky was falling. If you remember... Everyone freaked out. We thought the computer systems were going to crash. We thought the world was coming to an end. The sky was falling and absolutely nothing happened. I don't think anything actually happened. Uh, but that's what happens out there, right? You hear this stuff on the media. You take one little bit of information and you take it down a rabbit hole. And then that becomes real. That becomes the paradigm uh, in your mind. It becomes the way you see things based on your experience. And you need more data. You need more information. You can't just base these important investing decisions on what the news told you that night, right? Um, pay less attention to all the media and all the crazy stuff and 
pay very close attention to the facts, the historical data, and then plan accordingly, right? Then you plan um, once you have all of the data and all the stats. So we talked a little bit about how the 30-year averages in real estate actually show that rents um, far outpace inflation. Uh, they far outpace the stock market. And that's just one part of how a passive investment makes money, right? That's actually probably only maybe 40% of how your investment makes money. Because then you have equity and you have tax advantages as well. That's a big deal. Uh, there's a supply and demand issue out there. Um, and we talked about how inflation is actually really good. Inflation means rents go up because costs go up. And uh, inflation is extremely high right now, but it'll stabilize. If you think about it though, inflation even at two or 3% just means rents go up at two, 3% every year. So that's not a bad thing for real estate. Uh, now is actually a really good time to get into it. So uh, there was also a really great article published by uh, Red Roof Rentals. And they talked about before 2008, a 1200 square foot three bedroom rambler uh, worth 125,000 rented for $900 a month. Now this is two th before 2008, before like the crash, right? That we had last time that really messed up single families, right? Um, yielding about an 8% uh, return on value. And after the crash, the same home value fell by 30%. So that home value went from 125 down to 87. And I can tell you, I owned a home back then. And I can tell you a story about that. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I'll, I'll tell you at the end here. Um, but the rent stayed the same at 900, right? So it increased the rental value or the yield of income from 8% all the way up to 12%. So it actually increased the percentage of income or the value of that asset's income it was producing, even during the recession of 2008 or 9, right? Because rents consistently climb, but they may climb a little slower than what you see or what you hear in the market. They don't follow values of homes, right? Or necessarily values of multifamily or commercial real estate. They just trend, usually based on inflation, right? General income growth, uh, market analysis. So like all the neighbors around you are selling for a certain amount, at least in single family, um, et cetera. So um, what are the differences between rental payments and housing costs mean to investors? Well, I'll kind of read a little bit of this article to you because it's, it's pretty good. And it talks about the difference between rental prices and housing prices at the height of the housing bubble in 2005 and 2006 show a vast gap between home values and rental income. What we see looking at the data on the chart is that while home prices rise steadily, then spike over time, 2004 to 2006, rent prices don't increase in a corresponding manner. That was what I was just telling you. As values go up and down like crazy, the rental income kind of stays consistent. It, it consistently goes up. And your cash flow is based on that, right? In multifamily, that's part of your total return. That's cash flow. But you also get equity when the property sells and you get that depreciation, which is cool. So in fact, they very slowly plot along, increasing slightly over time. That's rent, but not in relation to the increase in the home prices. Even when the housing market corrects itself, say from 2007 to 2009, rents stay on the same slow, ever so slightly increasing slope upward. And that was a catastrophic recession we had that lasted a long time, right? But here, even in this statistic from a management company, they're telling you that rents consistently climbed, which is cash flow, right? And that's really all you care about as a passive investor is cash flow. And then when I exit, eventually, do I make some money? So your overall return is your cash flow plus your equity. It's good stuff. 
As an investor, that becomes interesting when you determine where, when, and how much to invest in your income properties. It demonstrates that rent demand stays the same in response to a viable home value market. In fact, anecdotally, reports and studies about the number of people listed rental versus homeowners on tax documents show that demand for rental properties increased during the housing market correction between 2008 and 2009. So even after the recession, demand started to climb right? It was good. There were a lot of houses on the market that people foreclosed on so you could find some good deals. That is not the case today. See, the challenge we have today in the single family market is a lot of folks bought houses at really low interest rates. They're not going to be looking to sell. They're not going to get out of those houses. And we still have a massive supply and demand constraint right now. So with interest rates going up, that's going to slow buying, which is going to allow demand uh, supply to catch up to demand a little bit. We are so far behind, it's going to take a long time. I'd be willing to bet it takes five to seven years to really catch up in single family and multifamily. And that's if they loosen on their regulations and rules with um, zoning for commercial multifamily. There's still a massive shortage. But either way, it'll slow things a little bit, right? And obviously, with interest rates rising, no one's going to buy for a while. So it might be two years before the market starts to heat up again in single family, which pushes people to rentals, which is actually a really good thing for multifamily investors. So let me tell you the story about single family I bought. I bought a house in 2006, had it at a 7% interest rate, roughly. It was an adjustable rate. That house was worth about 280000 It dropped to about 220000 and it stayed that way for several years. I hung in there. I still own that home today, 16 years later. And that home today, so follow me, I bought it for two eighty. It went down to 220. Today, that house is worth almost $600,000, right? So more than double in 16 years, and that's a single family. Now, the rent on that property, right? The rent on that property is somewhere around $2,600 a month for that house, right? Tax mortgage and insurance on that house is around $1,150. So the cash flow is really good. Why? Because rents continue to increase as the mortgage gets paid down and the value of the home eventually comes back, right? Um, but single family takes a little bit longer and it does fluctuate quite a bit in the markets. Multifamily is quite a bit different. And I gave you the stat on that earlier. So um, the next thing is uh, new construction. So one of the things that we get asked a lot is like, well, how do you offset the risk with new construction, right? So we covered inflation, we covered interest rates, right? We covered the market in general. We talked about how multifamily just performs even during recessions. It's not an issue. Um, you just have to get in, right? You don't want to wait. You want to buy real estate and wait. Don't wait to buy real estate. That's that's it. It's a no-brainer. Um, but what about the other risk, which is like, well, what about construction costs? Well, first of all, construction costs are actually starting to go down. Materials are starting to go down. Um, labor's still a slight issue. But when you build a property and you give somebody, say, 30 to $50 million worth of construction, you're dealing with very large construction companies with dozens, if not hundreds, of subcontractors on different properties. And so they are heavily incentivized to under uh, to perform under cost and not to go over budget. As a matter of fact, they sign contracts uh, with us when we build our properties, stating that if they go over, they pay the difference. And if they go, come in under, we split some of the profit with them. So they're heavily incentivized to come in more efficient, right? And that is monitored closely, not just from the team that runs it on our side, but also the um, uh, owner uh, managers that we hire um, or owner's representatives that that we hire that are, are boots on the ground sort of along with our team um, that manage the process from front to back and deal with all the contracts. So there, there are uh, 
there are variables that are in play that you don't see that you'd never hear about in the media that protect the asset, the general partners, the passive investors. But by and large, the the properties themselves by design are somewhat recession proof. Full disclosure, that's not a guarantee. But if you look back 30 years, they pretty much are recession proof, right? You just follow the data. So those are some of the the answers to questions that we get. Uh, we've addressed the economy, the inflation, the high interest rates, some of the construction questions and all of that. And hopefully this makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. You're a little more in the know. Um, it will give you some facts and stats. And there's obviously a lot more out there. Tune in to future episodes because we're going to keep addressing these things, right? We want people to understand that there's an amazing vehicle in real estate that you can put your money into and take advantage of and, and not be as freaked out as you watch the stock market go up and down and interest rates go up and down and the economy and inflation, all that. You don't have to worry about that. You just put your money in and the team does all the work for you. So thanks for tuning in. Look forward to uh, to bringing you on board on the next If you're ready to start creating your fortune today, head over to createyourfortunepodcast.com forward slash income. When you get to the page, there are two options. Option one is for you if you're not sure exactly how the investment process works or how to get ready to be an investor. We've created a short, fast class you can sign up for that will walk you through the steps and answer questions like, what does a good investment look like? And so much more. It even includes an audio version so you can quickly learn on the go as you golf, go to your day job, or work out. Just think, in a couple of days, you can start listening and learning about creating your fortune and not be stuck wondering, do I even have enough to retire? And then option two is for you if you're a sophisticated or accredited investor and have money to invest, you just need to talk to us about our next investment opportunity. You can quickly schedule a call with us and we can walk you through your options on how to get dividends flowing right away. We can help you create a plan to have three to 10,000 or even more in passive income every month that's reliable, safe, and steady. Ditch the small returns and unpredictable growth. Head over to createyourfortunepodcast.com forward slash income. And let's build the life of your dreams today.